0: You are now tuned into The Point, the radio show that explores the Bible, studies its meaning, and affirms your faith with solid Bible teaching. The Point is sponsored by Grace Point Missionary Baptist Church of Early Texas. Grace Point meets for Sunday school at 10 a.m., morning worship at 11 a.m. Grace Point meets at the Early Chamber of Commerce while their new worship facility is under construction. More information can be found online at pointtolife.wordpress.com or by mailing Grace Point Missionary Baptist Church at P.O. Box 3134 early texas 76803 that's grace point missionary baptist church p.o box 3134 early texas 76803 and now with this week's study of the scriptures here's pastor leland acker
1: and a good day to you glad to have you along for this episode of the point this is the second in our series through the bible we are studying our way through the bible From Genesis to Revelation, going through the Bible chapter by chapter and book by book to get to the point of what God's Word says. And so if you will, uh, turn in your Bible to Genesis chapter 2. Last week we studied Genesis chapter 1 and we talked about the creation. In chapter 2, the author, whom we believe is Moses, turns his attention from the total creation to what God did with man. And so in chapter 2, and we'll begin reading in verse 7. In Genesis chapter 2, we're going to learn what God's will for man is. What is God's will for man? So if you will, turn with me. Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. Again, we're going to study Genesis chapter 2, verses 7 through the end of the chapter, which is verse 25. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, the Bible says. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and became a living soul. And the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden and there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground made the Lord to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food, the tree of life also in the midst of the garden and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And a river went out of Eden to water the garden and from thence it was parted and became into four heads. The name of the first is Pison, that is it, which compasseth the whole land of Havilah, where there is gold. And the gold of that land is good, and there is bdellium and the Onyx Stone. And the name of the second river is Gihon, the same that is it, that compasseth the whole land of Ethiopia. And the name of the third river is Hiddekel, that is it, which goeth toward the east of Assyria. And the fourth is Euphrates. And the Lord God took the man and put him in To the garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it, and the Lord God commanded the man, saying, "Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it, for in the day that thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die." And the Lord God said, "It is not good that the man should be alone; I will make him an help meet for him." And out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air, and brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them. And whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. And Adam gave names to all the cattle, and to the fowl of the air, and to every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found an help meet for him. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept, and he took one of his ribs, and closed up the flesh inside thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, made he a woman, and brought her unto the man. And Adam said... This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife and they shall be one flesh. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. Now again in Genesis chapter 1 we see how God created the world. God created the order and the design of the creation of the world. He created how it would all work together. He created how the plants would survive, how the plants would live, how the plants would provide food for the animals. He created the system for the stars. He placed the stars in the sky. We now know those as being stars like our sun uh, that are burning millions of miles away But he placed those there and he placed them in the sky for us to see and he created the constellations for us to be able to use for times and seasons. He created the sun and the moon to rule the days and the nights and he created the purpose for all these things. Genesis chapter one outlined how God created the world in order, how he created the world to work in unison in harmony and to function. Genesis chapter one talks about the creation. Genesis chapter two chronicles the establishment of the Sabbath. And then describes in great detail God's creation of man and God's will for man. God created the Sabbath not in the law of Moses, not in the Ten Commandments, but the Sabbath was actually created, one of the first things God created after creating man. You look in verses 2 and 3, the Bible says, "...and on the seventh day God ended his work which he had made, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had made." And God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it because that in it he had rested from all his work which God created and made. God rested on the Sabbath. The Bible tells us he rested. Now, he didn't rest because he was tired, but rather he rested to enjoy the creation that he had made. Then the Bible says he sanctified the the Sabbath. He set it apart. He made it a special day. And so in setting it apart, in making it a special day, he created The idea of the Sabbath, the concept of the Sabbath, wherein every seven days we would take a day to set aside, to rest, to enjoy God's creation, to enjoy the blessings he's given us, and on that day also to worship him. He blessed it. Now, if you look at where we are as a society right now, we've lost the Sabbath. We no longer recognize its sanctity. We no longer recognize the Sabbath as being a day that's set aside for rest, reflection, and worship we've taken this concept of living under grace to the point that we don't even think to dedicate a day or even much of anything to the lord we've crammed youth sports work and even hobbies into the sabbath day to the point that god and the worship of god is being crowded out as a result i believe our society is suffering we are seeing greater degrees of burnout today than I think we have any time in our nation's history. I mean, our nation's gone through some pretty trying ty- times, but if you look at what's happening today, people burning out, people just walking away from their jobs and their families and their commitments because they're burned out and they can't take it anymore, I think that's a result of us having never rested and reflected on the Lord's blessings and spent a day worshiping him. As we de-emphasize the Sabbath and we begin to profane the Sabbath, we see greater instances of burnout, of despair, and of hopelessness. I would greatly encourage us all to repent of this and to keep the Sabbath and to keep it holy. To set aside that day where you rest and your body needs rest, your mind needs rest. Set aside that day for rest. Set aside that day to reflect and to take in all the ways that the Lord has blessed you. And spend that day and dedicate that day to praising the Lord and worshiping him And giving him thanks for all the things that he has given you. And so that's how Genesis chapter 2 addresses the Sabbath. And then Genesis chapter 2 pivots to talk about the creation of man, God's interaction with man, and God's will for man. We see the special way in Genesis chapter 2 that man was made. We see that God made man special. That he didn't just speak man into existence, but he actually took time to create man, to form man. We see that God made man with a purpose. We see that God made man for fellowship. We see that God made man to have dominion over the earth, and we see that God made man for worship. Man is the crowning point of God's creation. Mankind, man and woman, the crowning points of God's creation. He handcrafted us and gave us his life, he gave us purpose, and he made us social. So let's look at God's creation of man and see what it is that we're here for, what God wants from us, what God wants for us, and see if there is any way that we can conform our lives to God's purpose. And I guarantee you, if we conform our lives to God's purpose and our lifestyles to his prescription, I guarantee you, you're going to see more blessings in your life. So let's begin by looking at how God created us. God handcrafted us, and God gave us life. In verse seven, the Bible says, "And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground, and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul." Notice that He formed man. Notice the word "formed." And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground, and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. The Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground he sculpted man he formed him you ever done pottery have you ever tried pottery i did this a little bit in art class back in high school i was not really that good at it um, most for some reason in high school when you're in art class in high school and they give you the lump of clay and they say okay we're going to learn how to sculpt sculpt something you'd be surprised at how many kids make ashtrays none of us were old enough to smoke so obviously we're making this for our dad but we, all, but a significant number of us made those. I had a friend that made an igloo, and that was an interesting creation. Had another friend that tried to sculpt a person, and so we had some creativity in our class. But have you ever tried pottery? What you do with pottery, whether you're making a bowl or a cup and you're using the, the round table, the turntable, or whether you are just creating a sculpture by hand, you are forming your clay sculpture, your cup your bowl your plate your statue your igloo as the case was with my friend josh you are you are forming this work of art with your hands and that's what god did with us he formed us he sculpted us he handcrafted us he got creative with us i've got a set of franciscan chinaware that i inherited from my grandmother when she passed away here a few years back it's hand painted that supposedly Adds creativity, it adds humanity, it adds value to the work. Now I looked it up on eBay and my my Chinaware is not worth much because well China's not worth a lot of money anymore. But anyway, it's nice to have for family heirloom's sake. Handcrafted. Hand created. Okay? God handcrafted man. And not only did he handcraft man, but he handcrafted man and created man in his own image, and it tells us that if we go back to Genesis chapter one, in verse 26, and God said, let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. God handcrafted us, formed us, and then he created us in his own image. That means that he created us to look like him, but also created us with his attributes, his creativity, his emotion, his intelligence. And then he created us to be like him, and that we would have dominion over creation. Now this separates us from the rest of creation, because animals, unlike man, animals do not create now whenever you try to talk about the intelligent quality of animals and well you know communication use of tools and that sort of thing somebody's always able to say well you know monkeys figure out how to use tools they figure out how to make use rocks as tools they figure out how to use sticks as tools Uh, that's true and there are animals that have problem solving capabilities if your dog has ever escaped from your backyard fence you know that animals have problem solving capabilities but animals do not create you do not see monkeys creating sky bridges to connect the trees between each other you do not see dolphins dolphins are regarding are regarded as highly intelligent creatures but you don't see dolphins creating things or inventing things or you don't see dolphins innovating things and innovating lifestyles you don't see that animals do not create animals do not reason animals do not do scientific studies of the world around them and try to figure out how everything works they don't reason animals do not understand aristotelian logic they don't reason god did not form animals he spoke them into existence he does he did not create animals in his image he did not give animals dominion over the earth he gave us dominion over the earth So never accept the lie that we are merely a more developed species of animal. That is the basis for the environmentalist movement. The basis for the environmentalist movement is that mankind is just one of, one of many species of animals, and it's mankind, the species of man, that is destroying the planet. And so, therefore, mankind has to be humbled and to fit back into his role in the animal kingdom and to quit destroying the world. That's environmentalism. Mankind is not just another animal. Mankind was created to have dominion over the earth. That's what we were created. Now, that doesn't mean we were created to cause huge environmental disasters and ecological disasters god wants us to be a good steward of the creation but we do have dominion over the earth because god has given us dominion over the earth we are created in his image we are the crowning point of his creation he created us to be like him we are his children he wants us to grow and to grow into our roles as being the stewards of his planet And so God created us, he hand formed us, he sculpted us, he created us to be in his image and to be like him. He then breathed into us the breath of life and man became a living soul. He breathed into us the breath of life and when he did that he made us eternal beings. The animals are not eternal beings. The plants are not eternal beings but mankind we are eternal beings because we became living souls. He breathed his breath of life into us. Every one of us will live forever. Every one of us has eternal life. The question is, where will you spend that eternity? Will you spend that eternity in heaven, or will you spend that eternity in hell? But the truth is, you are, at this time, an eternal being. The choice of where you spend eternity in heaven and hell is determined by whether or not you repent of your sins and you trust Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. You see, the thing is, God did not design us to die. Death came with sin. We were not designed to die on this earth. We were not designed to build cemeteries and to hold funerals. God did not create us for that. But when we sinned against God, then death entered in. Verse 17 in Genesis chapter 2 here says, But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. Death wasn't in the design. Death came as a result of sin and disobedience. Now, the opportunity that we have to be healed of the sin disease and of eternal wrath and damnation and eternal separation from God, in order to correct that and to give us the opportunity to escape from that, God sent his only begotten son who died on the cross for our sins. And then was resurrected three days later to overcome the grave so that we could go into heaven. He overcame the sin and the destruction that we brought into his creation. And he provided a path of salvation for us. That's how much God loves us. God loves us because he handcrafted us, created us in his image, gave us his life. And then man became a living soul. When man became a living soul, he became a conscious, independent soul. Now, be careful how you interpret that. We are conscious beings, which means we are intelligent. We are intelligent, and we know that there's more to life than the here and now. We know that there's an eternity. We know that there are consequences. We know that the creation is bigger than us. Animals do not have this level of consciousness. Animals, they know that they're living, they need to eat something, they need to protect their lives, but at one point, they will die. We know that there's more to life than that. We know that there's more to life than survival. We know that there's more to life than our next meal. We know that there's purpose of life. And some of the biggest emotional issues that we have are trying to determine what that purpose and what that plan and what our lives really mean. We know that there's that. And that's, that's one of the signs that we are a living soul, a conscious, independent being. We know God. We know God either as our Heavenly Father or we know Him as our enemy. The atheist, who doesn't believe in God, spends his time fighting against God. Why? Because God is his enemy. The God that he does not believe exists is his enemy because as long as there is belief in God's existence, the atheist feels that he faces the possibility of judgment for his sins, either from God himself or from those who follow him. And so the atheist sets out, to destroy God, to destroy the concept of God, to discredit God. So the atheist knows God. He just knows God as his enemy. In the theaters here recently, there's a movie called The Case for Christ. And the movie follows the life of Lee Strobel's and particularly follows the book that he wrote by the same name. Lee Strobel's was a journalist with the Chicago Tribune. And he wrote he wrote several great articles he uh, had I mean just really great journalists his wife he was an atheist at the time his wife becomes a Christian and in order to discredit her faith so that life would go back to normal for him he went out to try to discredit the resurrection of Christ and in doing all that research he wound up becoming a Christian himself he fought against God God was his enemy until he realized the power and the purpose of the cross, then God became his heavenly father when he became a Christian. Everybody knows God. Even atheists know God. They just know him as an enemy. We Christians, we know God as our heavenly father. Being conscious, independent souls, we have the ability to think and reason and to choose to accept God or choose to, to disobey God. This is something the rest of the creation doesn't have. Now we don't have the right to disobey God, we just have the ability to disobey God. Disobedience to God brings severe consequences, death, God's wrath. Right now our society is disobeying God and redefining his will and institutions, and our society as a whole will pay dearly. God created us. He created us as conscious, independent souls. He gave us a choice whether to worship him or whether to rebel against him. And at one time in our lives, we all chose to rebel against him. Those who are his children now are those who have repented from that rebellion, repented from that sin, and accepted Jesus Christ as their personal savior. God created us. He created us living souls in his image, with his intellect, his creativity, and the free will and the choice to honor and glorify him. But he created us for the purpose of honoring and glorifying him. Colossians 1.16 says, For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. The creation, the earth and the heavens and the universe were created to glorify God by showing his power and majesty. We are created to glorify God by willingly living out the purpose he's given us, subduing the earth, cultivating it, and worshiping him. What glorifies God about this is our choice to do so. So God created a special. Secondly, God gave us a purpose. That purpose is stated in Genesis chapter 1, verse 28, And God blessed them, and God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply, and replenish the earth, and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. Our purpose is to subdue the earth. That means to cultivate it. That means to farm it. That means to bring order to creation through agricultural development, as well as societal development. Going back to Colossians chapter 1, where it says all things are created by him, whether they be powers or dominions, he's talking about governments and societies. Those are God-honored institutions as well. We are to cultivate the earth. We are to bring order to the earth. We are to preserve the earth through bringing that order. It always amazes me when you talk about environmentalists, how agriculture is the enemy of environmentalists, when agriculture is responsible for the propagation of many species of animals, as well as plants, as well as um, botany and botanical. And, you know, we talk about how we need more flowers for the bees to be able to pollinate. Agriculture grows flowers. We are to cultivate and develop the earth through agriculture and societal development. That's what Genesis chapter 1, verse 28 tells us. In verse 15, here in chapter 2, the Bible says, And the Lord God took the man and put him into the Garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. Man was to dress and to keep the garden. Again, the purpose here is to cultivate, to advance our station by creating, cultivating, and developing. This was to be done in obedience to God. And God gave us His purpose, and we honor and we glorify God when we live out that purpose. And so in seeing that God created the Garden of Eden, then he placed man in the garden and told man to dress it and to keep it. We see that man was, in fact, created to work. He created us for skill. He created us for vocation. He created us for careers that was never intended to be hard it seems like you're always trying to climb the side of a mountain that is muddy and wet and you're always sliding back down that slope that was not part of god's plan that all came in with the sin curse but prior to that curse which resulted in the thorns coming forth from the ground which uh the the will of god before it took the sweat of our brow in order for us to be able to eat bread god's will for us was to work to create to cultivate And it was to be a joyful occasion. And there's still joy in work. If you've ever had one, you ever had one of those days where you accomplished a lot and you felt good at the end of the day? You got that fence row built, you got that uh, bedroom repainted, you got that project finished at work, you got that promotion, and you felt satisfied because you'd accomplished something. That's a God thing. God created you for that. He didn't create you for the struggle that goes with it, but he created you to work and to achieve and to be able to accomplish and conquer and subdue and be successful. God created us for that. But it's our sin that got in the way. Finally, God created us for fellowship. He created us for fellowship with him. God wanted a relationship with man, as you can deduce from God's interactions with Adam in chapter 2. He's walking alongside Adam and he's He's creating animals for Adam to name. Notice that God didn't spend time with the animals, teaching them and setting them up with a garden. God taught Adam and allowed him to name all the animals. This fellowship was broken in Genesis chapter 3 with man's sin. He created us for fellowship with him. This is why we go to church. This is why we worship. This is why we spend time in prayer every day. God also created us for fellowship with each other. In verse 18, the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him and help meet for him. God saw that man's loneliness was not a good thing. If you've ever seen somebody who's lived alone, who's been kind of a hermit for a long time, you'll see that that's affected them on a psychological level. God also created us for close intimate fellowship with our husbands and wives. In verses 21 through 24, the Bible says, And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman and brought her unto the man. And Adam said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave, notice that word cleave, cleave unto his wife and they shall be one flesh. Woman was created for intimate fellowship with man, and that's a two-way street. This is not saying that she is to be dominated by him, but man and woman were created for close intimate fellowship with each other. They, man and woman, are to be joined together. That word cleave means to be glued to each other, to be merged to each other, to become one flesh. That close intimate fellowship of being one, being one in mind, being one in that close intimate fellowship, that's fellowship man needs fellowship with each other and even the secular world understands man's need for fellowship and man's need to be social this is why solitary confinement is considered such a cruel punishment in the in the uh, penal system is because man's need for social engagement man's need for fellowship god created us for that so the question then becomes are you fellowshipping Are you intimate with your spouse? Or are you and your spouse drifting apart? Are you fellowshipping with others? Or are you drifting toward isolation? Do you have friends, you get together with them? Are you gathering with your brothers and sisters in Christ at church? And are you talking with them and discussing things with them? Are you fellowshipping with others in the Lord? Or are you fellowshipping with others in the flesh? See, God created man But he didn't just speak man into existence like he did the rest of the creation. He created man, handcrafted man, made man in his image, and then gave man a purpose. Are we living up to God's purpose? Are we living in his image? Are we living as his representatives here on earth? Are we pursuing the purpose that he has placed on our lives? Are we fellowshipping? Are we social? Those are the questions we have to answer. Are we within God's will. If you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior at this point you cannot be in his will. You must first accept the Lord. Turn from your sins, ask God to forgive you your sins, and trust that it was Jesus Christ and his price he paid on the cross that will get you into heaven. Make that decision today and then spend the rest of your life enjoying the blessings of living in God's will. Thank you and may God bless you.
0: You've been listening to The Point, the radio show that explores the Bible, studies its meaning, and affirms your faith with solid Bible teaching. The Point is a radio ministry of Grace Point Missionary Baptist Church, which meets for Sunday school at 10 a.m., morning worship at 11 a.m. at the Early Chamber of Commerce, 104 East Industrial Drive in Early, just off Highway 377, next to Pate's Hardware. Mail to PO Box 3134, Early, Texas, 76803. May God bless you and thank you for listening.